0: Denver, nothing personal word of the day for Friday, October 22nd, 2021 is Denver, as in John Denver, as in I'm leaving on a jet plane, don't know when I'll be back again. The Los Angeles Dodgers are leaving on a jet plane. They're going to Atlanta to try to win two in a row to get back to the World Series. The craziest National League Championship Series I can remember, which is total recency bias, because I couldn't even remember last year's NLCS. Does anyone else suffer from that? It's not dementia. It's not short-term memory loss. It's not 52nd Dan, 10-second Dan from 51st States. I can't remember three years ago who was in the Super Bowl. Forget who won it. How about who lost it? So I do know the Dodgers came back from down 3-1 against the Braves. I had totally forgotten that series last year was in the bubble. It was either in San Diego or Texas. I remember that, but I can't remember which. Couldn't remember the specifics of the games, of how it happened. I just know the Dodgers are trying to do it again, but to come back from 3-1, they have to win the last two actually on the road in Atlanta. Because Atlanta, even with 88 wins, has home field advantage. Which we talked about that inside baseball they would not let a wild card team get home field advantage for the league championship series for the world series no problem for the league championship series and the division series negative so the dodgers are on the road they get on the jet plane i know they're flying today and i would do it differently were i to be president of the dodgers I want to get on that overnight flight. I want to get into Atlanta, get into bed. I don't want to spend an entire day traveling west to east. That's the type of thing where you leave at noon. You get in at 730 at night. That's the day. So what's the mentality of a team when you're going on the road? I've told you about what what we do to tell our players how to pack. There's an itinerary, little detour here, Coca. Players get an itinerary both printed and texted to them. The itinerary of every road trip, it gets labeled road trip two with whatever cities you're going to. And then each day it gives you the time of the flight, meaning what time you have to be at the airport, not the takeoff time, what time you have to be places. Then it gives you what time buses are from the hotel to the ballpark and there's an early bus, there is a late bus to the ballpark. Then it gives you what time the game is. And then it gives you the weather in the city where you're going to be for that day. Then for the next day, it gives you the bus time, the weather, et cetera. Then at the end of the of the city, when you're either going home or going to the next city in big capital letters, check out of hotel. Do not forget to pay incidentals because the team pays for the hotel room but anything above that you pay when you check out so we don't make the players put their credit card down when they check in because when you check into a team hotel there is a table waiting that has water and fruit and candy and chips and it has everyone's room key on it and so you just go to your room key it has your name on it with your room number and you go up to your room and then the bell people bring your bags up at some point no matter what time of day or night you get to the hotel but on checkout you have to pay your incidentals and then we have to go up to players and say hey you didn't pay your incidentals because we get a master bill from the hotel so we get to see what players are doing hey that guy was on Spectravision five times that was pre-internet of course hey that guy had room service at four in the morning i wonder why he was hungry at 4 a.m hmm. Now, you may say that's Orwellian. You may say that's a violation of privacy. No, it's not. We tell you in advance. So the itinerary comes. The Dodgers are choosing to fly during the day, but the itinerary will tell you what to pack for. During the regular season, whether it's a two-series or a three-series road trip or a one-series road trip, and then the weather, et cetera, the Dodgers have an itinerary that they are going to Atlanta for the weekend because they're going to play a game six on Saturday, and they're going to play a game seven on Sunday, and then they're going to fly back. Now, why would they be flying back to L.A.? The answer is L.A. has more wins than either the Red Sox or the Astros. So the World Series will open Tuesday in L.A. if the Dodgers win. So either way, after Sunday's game, game seven, they're flying back to L.A. You always assume you're going to play the maximum number of games. When the Marlins were down 3-1 to the Cubs in 03, we had a game five at home. We send our players the itinerary for the following trip, which includes going to Chicago for game six and game seven, then going to either New York or Boston for game one and two of the World Series. We're down three to one to the Cubs. They've got Zambrano, Pryor, Wood going five, six, seven. The whole country's excited the Cubs are going to make the World Series for the first time since Goats had milk. But we are telling our players, bring your biggest suitcase because we're going to be gone for quite a while. Here's the weather in Chicago. Here's the weather in New York. Here's the weather in Boston. And it's not that we discuss it with the players. It's not used as motivation. This is just our subliminal way of saying we are not losing. Of course, the odds are way against road teams going to win game 6 and 7 on the road, first you have to win game 5 at home and that's what the Dodgers did yesterday. They won game 5 at home down 3 to 1 and now they go on the road. They're facing Ian Anderson and Charlie Morton, not exactly Prior and Wood. They have Max Scherzer going for them and Walker bueller in game 6 or 7. We had we had Mark Redmond pitch game 7 against the Cubs. Game 6 was Prior against Holy cow, Coca. I have simply got to stop doing whatever it is I'm doing. I got to eat more broccoli. Who started game six for the Marlins, please? Beckett started game five. So I'm going to say, was it Pavano who started game six against Mark Pryor and pitched a great game? Was it Penny? No, it couldn't have been Penny. It was Pavano. All right, I got there. Because Pavano then didn't pitch until game four of the World Series. I'm with you. Thank you. Couldn't have been Penny because he opened a game one. Whatever the case may be, the Dodgers have a game five. If you didn't stay up late to watch it, I'm not going to recap it, except I'm going to say, Taylor, Taylor, Taylor. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Chris Taylor, that guy that you may never have heard of, who's an all-star, who can play six different positions, who if you're a St. Louis Cardinals fan, you now know who Chris Taylor is because only a week ago, or two weeks ago, it was October 5th or 6th. So I guess that's, wow, more than two weeks ago. He hit that walk-off home run to win the wild card game. That's how close the Dodgers were to not even being in the LCS or the division series. They had to walk off the Cardinals in the wild card game. Chris Taylor hit the home run. That same guy was playing third base because Justin Turner came up lame, tore his hamstring, strained his hamstring, that's a tear. By the way, when we announce strained hamstring grade two, that just means a tear. Just sounds better to say strain. Taurus hamstring done. Taylor hits home runs, three of them. But the Braves are going to win the game, right? Because Freddie Freeman gives them a two nothing lead. They have their ace on the mound, Max Freed, with a two nothing lead. Series over. It's over. But these playoffs have been so unpredictable. You just don't know what's going to happen during the course of a game. In this National League Championship Series, the Braves had a bullpen game in game four and won the game. The Dodgers had a bullpen game in game five and won the game. The Dodgers opener, a guy named Joe Kelly, didn't even make it through the first inning. He got a bicep strain while pitching out for the year, which means he's out for the next two weeks, but he's done for the year. Totally unpredictable. No bullpen games the rest of the series in the National League. You've got Ian Anderson and Charlie Morton. You've got Scherzer and Bueller. It's going to be something, isn't it? I'm all in. I'm excited. But we got other stuff we have to get to because it's such a busy day. I was going to talk a little bit about the American League Championship Series. Just watch the game. It's a game six tonight with Nathan Avaldi. And remember, we have the Astros winning that series in seven. Will that inform who I'm picking later? We'll see. Okay. Major League Baseball sends us a package every single year from the marketing department. Central Baseball has a marketing department and their job is to do league wide initiatives. They don't do individual bobblehead days. They don't care about what we do in our stadium during our promotional calendar, but there are certain days that the league owns jackie robinson day they send in a package what they want to have put on the jumbotron like a video what they want the pa announcer to read ladies and gentlemen today is jackie robinson day and we celebrate the legacy et cetera, et cetera, his core values when it is mother's day father's day Breast Cancer Awareness Day, Prostate Cancer Awareness Day, when the guys use pink bats or blue bats, what comes into your ballpark, like on Mother's Day, is Rawlings sends shirts and batting gloves and cleats that are pink. Players can request to use pink bats. They get sent them even if they don't want to use them. They get blue sweatbands and blue undershirts on Father's Day. All of those are league-wide initiatives. When you get the package from Major League Baseball, that's not a, hey, here's something if you want to do it. It's not how it works. When you get it, that must be worked into your game day entertainment. That becomes a part of your game day presentation. It is not an option. You don't get editing privileges, hey, we'd like you to talk something about da-da-da-da-da. Nope. This is what we want you to do. This is what we want you to say. So do it and say it. Major League Baseball has had more and more of these days as the years have continued in this era of we are going to be socially conscious. We are going to make sure that we have days for every person, size, shape, color. I'm in. We're not talking about Heritage Nights here, by the way. Teams can choose their own Jewish Heritage Night, Cuban Heritage Night, Dominican Heritage Night. All of those are just ticket sales gimmicks. We have a list of anyone who is Dominican who's ever been to a Marlins game, and we have our salespeople call every one of those accounts and say, hey, on May 29th, it is Dominican Heritage Night. Come and celebrate with your fellow Dominicans. It's like target marketing. Every team does it. It's like a big group sale. MLB yesterday partnered, and this is off season, by the way, off regular season. They partnered with the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. It's it's an organization called GLAD. GLAD is an organization that I'm none too glad has to exist. The reason it exists is all of the hate, vitriol that is spread and aimed toward people in the LGBTQ plus community. Live and let live, folks. You know, I try not to preach to you. I try to just educate you. And I ask you this. When you hate someone who looks different than you and when you hate someone who talks differently than you do, when you hate someone who has a different sexual attraction or sexual proclivity than you do, basically when you have hate for someone who doesn't think or do as you think and do, I have a very simple question to ask, who cares? Why do you care what people do when it doesn't impact you or your life? But enough people do that I don't know if you're aware the bullying that goes on in the LGBTQ plus community makes the bullying that I had for being a short Jewish kid look like a joke. The bullying leads to suicide attempts that are off the charts for young LGBTQ plus kids. Attempts and successes. The bullying has led to a level of death that should be unacceptable to all of you. Because what if it were your child or your friend's child? So MLB sends information to all the teams about a campaign they're doing in partnership with GLAAD. And each team was responsible to use their social media accounts to send out a tweet to raise awareness to what MLB rightly, wanted people to think about and be aware of. So 30 teams send out a tweet. But upon further and closer examination, there were two teams whose tweets looked just a tiny bit different than the other 28. There was a show that my mother made me watch. I didn't mind it. It was called Sesame Street. I liked it. I always liked Oscar the Grouch. I wonder if that informs how I grew up to be. And I also liked the Cookie Monster. I also liked Ernie and Bert. You know what? I dig Sesame Street. And then Electric Company with Morgan Freeman, the actor, he was an electric company. There was a segment where they would teach you one of these things is not like the other and they'd show pictures and there'd be three bananas and an apple. And you'd have to look and say, Oh, it's the apple that's not like all the other things. And that's the precursor to taking the SAT and the LSAT and statistics and logic. It all started when I was a kid. Thank you, mom. That was an extra two points on the IQ test. One more detour here, Coca. No, I'm not going to do the detour right now. Cut that. 14, 28, 69. So one of these things is not like the other the Texas Rangers sent out a tweet which basically said we're against bullying and left it at that. Every other team, we are against bullying of the LGBTQ plus community. 28 teams mentioned the LGBTQ plus community and the Braves and Rangers did not. The Rangers claim that they did not do it because it's about bullying and anti-bullying and the Rangers stand against bullying of any type. The Rangers are an organization that believe any bullying is wrong. When asked why you would not put LGBTQ plus in your tweet, the answer was not satisfactory to me. You can be against all bullying, but the purpose of MLB's promotion was a specific type of bullying. It's the bullying that leads to that increased unbelievably, three standard deviations away from the norm of child suicide and suicide attempts. When you get instructions from Major League Baseball and you don't follow them, that is because of your owner only. The COO of the Texas Rangers is a guy named Neil Liebman. He's not going to come out and tell you that it was him. He's not going to take that from the owner. you got to be able to stand up to your owner. You cannot afford that type of criticism. I don't care what type of right-wing homophobe you are. And not all people on the right are homophobes, might I add, because you don't know exactly where I am on the scale. But I am certainly not homophobic or misogynistic. But explain to me why an owner or anyone in the Rangers organization, and if it's not the owner, whoever did it is fired immediately, but it can't be because it was not taken down and it was not changed. That means that someone at the very top of the organization said, we are not going to be specific here about LGBTQ+. And the reason why it incensed me is if you're against bullying in general, that's great. Make that part of another day. This doesn't have to be a one day campaign. But yesterday, MLB was specific. That would be the equivalent of on Roberto Clemente Day. Having an entire read about Richie Havens. Or on Jackie Robinson Day, deciding to make it about Henry Aaron. Those are worthy topics. Worthy discussions. But not for that day. That story isn't over, folks, because the Rangers will get called by Major League Baseball. The Braves will get called by Major League Baseball. That type of publicity is the exact opposite of what MLB was going for. Speaking of publicity. And what you don't want. Got word yesterday that the Washington football skins continue to be the gift that never stops given Ever. The NFL is absolutely screwed. How many more times can I tell you about Roger Goodell and his power, crazy, hungry MO, modus operandi? He wants to puppeteer everything, control it all. Believe me, he wants to control you, I promise. And believe me, you let him because you're a sucker for fantasy and gambling. But the fact of the matter is, that this 650,000 email investigation of the WFT has become a malrev, a nightmare for Roger Goodell. Everyone's calling to see those emails. The union, they're not going to show it to the union. The lawyers for the women, the cheerleaders who got absolutely abused by Snyder and his band of horny cronies. No, NFL's not going to give it up. But now what do they do? Guess who got involved? Your elected officials, ladies and gentlemen. That is what your elected officials are doing. Congress sent a letter to the NFL saying, show me under the kimono. Raise up your shirt and let me see whether you've eaten a lot of pasta recently. I want to see the emails. Do you remember the last time Congress got involved with the NFL? Do you remember something called Deflategate? That was not a toy. Deflategate is when there was a rumor that the New England Patriots were cheating and were deflating the balls or inflating the balls or doing something silly. And Tom Brady said, oh, I don't know whether or not the balls were inflated or deflated. And I told you on Nothing Personal that Tom Brady knows exactly the PSI of every football he touches That's like a baseball pitcher knows exactly what type of ball, if the seams are raised, if it's been rubbed incorrectly, correctly, too much dirt, not enough dirt, the right amount of rosin. This is their tool. Van Gogh would look at you and say, is that a brush? I can't tell. Gate. Congress got involved and no one really cared. This is different. Congress sent a letter to the NFL saying, you know, we really would like to stop workplace harassment. We'd like to stop misogynistic behavior. We'd like to stop homophobia. This isn't necessarily about the competitive advantage of balls inflated or deflated, depending on whether or not you take steroids. This is something that is even more meaningful than steroids being taken by baseball players for performance enhancing drugs because while hearings were set for steroids, MLB prepared for those hearings. It was a nightmare when Bud Selig had to appear at the hearings and that's when they had Rafael Palmeiro and Mark McGuire and, oh, I have no recollection. Oh, I've never done it, but I did do it. I'm not going to say I did it. Afterwards, I did it before I didn't do it. During the hearing, I thought of doing it. The needle was sticking into my leg while I was testifying. I can't remember one thing I ever did. I'm taking the fifth. I'm taking the ninth. I'm taking the sixth. That was a big deal because Congress said, I don't want kids doing steroids imitating you because steroids will lead to injuries and sometimes death. Well, Congress is back at it because they're right. Workplace harassment is an issue that goes beyond sports, beyond the field. So Roger Goodell has a small little problem on his hands. So when you get a letter from Congress and MLB gets letters from Congress every month in the Every Monday and Wednesday, a letter comes in from some whack job in some place. We want uh, 169 games in the season. We don't think it's fair that our team finished two games back after 162. We should have seven extra games to see whether or not we'd win the division. We believe that there should be no universal DH because we like when the pitcher hits, blah, blah, blah. Rob Manford gets those letters. We get those letters. You look at them, you smile, you call your government relations people in Washington. You say, hey, do I need to return this letter? No, get rid of it, throw it away. They'll never call back. This one feels a little different. I wanna read you something because Roger Goodell got it and he went right to his spokesperson. He looked at the letter written by two Democrats The letter stated, among other things, we have serious concerns about what appears to be widespread abusive workplace conduct at the WFT and about the NFL's handling of the matter. Communications between league management and WFT leadership. They're talking about PASH, that general counsel who I told you is going to be the next fall guy. Raises questions about the league's asserted impartiality in these investigations. NSS, baby. No blank Sherlock. If Congress would listen to nothing personal, they would know. Of course, the NFL is not impartial. They don't want to find anything other than John Gruden, fire him, piss off Mark Davis, and move on to the next. Does the NFL now have to adhere to the congressional letter by opening up and showing all the emails. The answer is a current no. But they did something silly that we would not do in baseball. They had their spokesman release a statement. His name is Brian McCarthy, doesn't matter. He's just the PR guy. We have received the chairwoman's letter and share her concern that all workplaces should be free from any form of harassment and discrimination. That's your takeaway. All right, we're okay, but please don't write what you're about to write. Please don't. Oh God, he did. We look forward to speaking to her office soon. That's not a mistake folks. When you write, we look forward to speaking to her office soon. Here's what you're saying. I really have no interest in speaking to the chairwoman herself about this. It's not that important. The chairwoman is going to have her staffers deal with this because the chairwoman doesn't even think it's that important. But the NFL doesn't know that for sure. And when I'm the chairwoman, I read that and I say, oh, no, I'm taking the meeting myself. You're not speaking to anyone in my office. This is about workplace harassment. And I am a woman in Congress. I will be holding the meeting. Now, you can say Congress has better things to do, but one of the things our elected officials are supposed to do is take care of us, not just from a foreign threat standpoint, but domestically as well. Workplace. We want to be protected by the people we elect. It is an absolute bear poke. That Roger Goodell is so cocky that he's willing to poke the congressional bear when he knows that contained in those 650,000 emails is some damning evidence or else he would have released them already. Do you know the investigation of Dan Snyder and his merry band of morons? They never did a written report. They interviewed 150 people, that law firm. They took over the independent investigation that the Snyder was doing of himself. And they said, I I think we should do it. 150 people interviewed, at least not a written report. How cocky is the NFL that they think they can get away with anything at any time? I love it. I guess that's what 15 Bill of Revenue will do. We look forward to speaking to her office. I've never spoken to an office before. I think that would get me committed. I do speak to a camera without an audience pretending there's an audience, pretending you're here, looking at your faces, smiling, laughing, frowning, sleeping. We look forward to speaking to her office soon. And the only other sentence before that is we believe workplaces should be free from any form of harassment. The purpose of the letter from Congress was about the fact that you did this investigation and that you will not reveal what you found. What are you hiding? They're not saying that you don't care about workplace harassment or discrimination. What they're saying is you're not willing to do anything about the fact that it exists. Those are two very, very different points. One day, it's gonna catch up with you, Raj Dodge. Could this be the day? Well, I gotta wait to see for you. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. And when it happens, we revisit it. When it doesn't happen, we revisit it. Here's a wait to see. There will be no steroid-like hearings for the WFT investigation. They will find a way to get around this, as they usually do. And there will not be congressional hearings. Wait to see. we come back... Uh, we're going to talk about what happened in New Mexico. So please stay tuned for that. And we're also going to talk about uh, something else that's going on uh, with the Dallas Mavericks. That is of great interest to me. We will be right back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you for making it through another great week. Thank you for all the downloads and the rates and the reviews. Don't forget to go on Apple and write a review and and hit subscribe and rate five stars and then write a review, please. If you're new to the show, if you're on Spotify, follow wherever you're getting this podcast. If you're on YouTube, you're supposed to hit subscribe on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson channel. We haven't gone live recently because I've been on CBS Sports HQ doing live post-game and pre-game analysis. We'll find another day to go live, maybe on an off day before the World Series starts to preview the World Series, whatever Coca and I can figure out because we liked those YouTube live sessions, but they're only for subscribers. So go to Nothing Personal with David Sampson and hit subscribe. So this is the part of the show that you know after the break, after you've made it through the gauntlet of commercials and all the ways that CBS cashes in on the work that Coca and I do. You know, we review a movie because I watch a movie every day and I did watch a movie yesterday because I do every day, but I'm not reviewing a movie today. First time I'm not reviewing a movie or a TV show or a Broadway play. I'm going to talk about what happened to Alec Baldwin yesterday. Alec Baldwin is in New Mexico shooting a movie. Alec Baldwin had a prop gun and reports then came out that 911 had to be called, and the director of photography was killed by a prop gun that was shot by Alec Baldwin. The director of the movie is in the hospital, had to be airlifted off set because he was shot as well. There is no further information as of this taping, which is Friday morning, October 22nd. We don't know what kind of prop gun it was. We don't know whether it's the same as the Brandon Lee situation. You may remember Bruce Lee's son died on set when a prop gun was used. And actually, there was a bullet in the prop gun that killed Brandon Lee. Coca gave me a whole lesson before the show about ways prop guns can kill you because they're real guns. They use gunpowder to get the sound and the light. But generally, there's no tip. But sometimes there's a tip. I don't understand how you are using actual guns on set, but apparently there is an entire set of protocols that are quite strict and stringent, that when real prop guns are being fired without real bullets, obviously, you wear goggles, you wear protective gear, you have as few people in the line of fire as possible. Yet the accident occurred on the set of a new movie called Rust that Alec Baldwin is producing and starring in. This is a life changer for a lot of people. Let's start with the families of the dead woman who is a rising star, a young 41 year old rising star on a crew, director of photography, cinematographer. I love movies. I don't need real gunshot to believe that there is a duel going on. I don't need people to be shot. I understand the ketchup packet. I understand they want to make it real now. The blood packs, the cutaways. I'm in for all of it. I want to know right now why any guns are used. Any guns at all are used. I don't care what the movie is. Ever see Take the Money and Run with Woody Allen, the gun that is made of soap that melts when it starts to rain when he's trying to escape from prison? Why can't it be a Halloween gun? Why can't you CGI a gun into someone's hand? The fact that someone lost a life on set, there doesn't need to be another accident. But Brandon Lee has this happening. What year was that, Coca? Do you remember? It's got to be 15 years ago, if I had to guess. I don't know when it was. But what's happened since then is terrific. Technological improvement. Wow, it's 1993. Thank you, Coca. Good work for a Friday. That's 29 years ago. 28 years ago. <laughs> I'm so sad for Alec Baldwin as well. This is the type of thing that doesn't go away ever, ever. His life changed yesterday, obviously not in the way the director of photography. Her name was Helena Hutchins. The director, Joel Souza, is injured. We don't know what his status is going to be. I wanted to teach you about this. I don't know if we have time, Coca, about what blanks are and you're supposed to shoot blanks. You know the expression, hey, I'm shooting blanks. It's not just because you went to your urologist. A blank is a blank cartridge. A cartridge. It's not a bullet. Anyway, I hope that Helena Hutchins rests in peace. I, I just can't. When I saw the news come across, you know how anti-gun I am. And that is the position. There's two positions that I've been very clear to the audience over the years, right? I am pro-choice and I'm anti-gun because I'm live and let live. What a woman does to her body is totally up to her and should be up to her. And I don't believe that my Second Amendment rights Allow me, as the Constitution was written, to bear arms, assault rifles, any sort of guns. I would take them all away. You can at me all you want. It's a controversial. Those are two very controversial topics. I'm told, stay away from those, David. It'll impact your numbers. Toka doesn't say that, by the way. There are other people who do. It'll impact your downloads. You can't talk about this stuff. 50% of the people are pro-gun, 50% are anti, so you have to just be neutral or you're going to lose 50% of your audience. You can't talk about being pro-choice because 50% of the people who believe you're killing the fetus, they're going to not download your show. Okay. Guess what? Bring it. I want to be successful. I want this show to keep growing, but I'm not going to sacrifice things that I think matter in order to get downloads and rates and reviews. Live and let live. But to live and let live, you have to put yourself in a position where your actions will not make people die. Now you're going to say, how inconsistent are you, you bastard? Because a woman terminating a pregnancy, that is killing a fetus. Okay, you are prepared, and I'm prepared to have you with that point of view. But my point is quite different, actually. I'm talking about a woman's right to choose her future, her body. I'm going to close this segment by returning to what happened in New Mexico. There are people on set. There's a whole new department on movie sets now. COVID-19 safety protocol, people. People are sticking Q-tips up to the brain. Everyone's being tested. Tom Cruise is yelling at you if you're sneezing or coughing. Schwitzing. In the studio here in Stanford, they check my temperature with the very cool machine. There's an iPad and a camera, and you know how I am. I go every time I walk down the hall. I get it, I get it checked because I like seeing what my temperature is all the time. It's like me with the pulse oximeter. I always want to know I'm at 97, 98, 99. That my pulse is 60, 50, 40. Generally, it's resting around 39. I check everything all the time. I was thinking of buying one of those iPads and cameras so I can. They permanently take my temperature, just walk around so I know when I have fever, even though, of course, I can feel when I have fever. So they have all of these protocols on set for COVID because we can't shut down if anyone gets sick. Guess what? Rust is shut down right now. Because there's an investigation about what happened because someone died. Now, I grant you people can die of COVID and many, many have. And you could argue that more people die of COVID than die of prop guns being shot at them. They're equally avoidable. I thought the Braves would end the series last night. But they didn't. We had the Braves. We lost. We're now 136 and 122. I'm here at CBS Sports HQ and CBS Sports. And as you know, gambling is everywhere. If you're not gambling on your phone, then people in the sports world are not interested in you. That's why all the leagues have embraced gambling. It's a thing now. Gambling, it's, it's the thing. So here at CBS Sports HQ, we give picks. They're experts. An expert in horse racing tells you to bet the eight horse in the fifth race at Pimlico. The basketball expert says, take the under in the Bucks heat game or the over. I don't remember what he said. I told you to take the Braves. I'm 136 and 122. Do you know the professional handicappers? If you're at 60%, you're like a God. I think I'm down to 53%, 136 and 122 since the start of the year. I've got a weekend's worth of picks. I want to get back to 20 over. To get back to 20 over, I got to win a game. These playoffs have been so unpredictable. It is, I'm gonna I'm going Costanza. The Red Sox will beat the Astros. Avaldi is a perfect playoff pitcher. So my pick is the Astros over the Red Sox. That's Friday. Dabo, Sweeney, and Clemson have COVID. They're injured. They stink. I'm going to watch college football Saturday because why wouldn't I? Clemson is getting points. The best team in the country. They're supposed to be. They're getting three and a half from Pittsburgh. I'm in. I'm taking the points because Pittsburgh should roll over them. So we're taking Clemson. We're going opposite this weekend. Sunday, the undefeated Kyler Murrays are taking on the we don't have Deshaun Watsons. Will Watson be traded to Miami by this Sunday? Wait to see. Not. The Houston Texans are getting 17 and a half points from the undefeated Arizona Cardinals. I'm taking the points because the Cardinals should win that game 55 to four. But we're taking the Texans in the points. So to rewind, Astros over Red Sox, Clemson plus three and a half over Pittsburgh. And then Sunday, we're taking the Texans plus 17 and a half. OK, I want to end the week with a promise that I made to you that I always go back on wait to seize. Even when I'm wrong, on June 17th of 2021, Donnie Nelson, the GM of the Mavericks, got fired by Mark Cuban, the longtime employee in a very sad press release and comment of all the work, great work Donnie had done. We're so sorry. And word came out that there was a power struggle in the front office between Donnie Nelson and Vulgaris. Do you remember that name? Haralobos Vulgaris. He was like the director of quantitative research and he was the uh, Mark Cuban's go-to guy totally analytic, totally not public front facing. You can't let him out of his cubicle, but he was the one who was holding the power in the organization. All sports front offices have someone who has a direct line to the owner. That goes over the GM's head, goes over the president's head, that the owner counts on to get information and that the owner uses to decide what the owner wants to do based on what someone in the organization, sometimes outside the organization, but what someone wants to do on the court. Sometimes off the court, but mostly on the court. So the thought was that Mark Cuban was listening to this vulgaris guy. And I said on June 17th, there's going to be a title change with the Mavericks. Meaning he's going to get promoted and he's going to have a more official role with the Mavericks. Well, I was wrong. Guess what? He got fired. Donnie Nelson's gone and so is vulgaris. But Volgaris decided he was going to go scorched earth. So he went public yesterday and talked about what it was like in the front office, working with Cuban and Donnie Nelson, talked about the power struggles that went on. He described it as high school drama, and it made me smile thinking about other front offices. And I wanted to let you in on a little secret. All of you who think you've got workplace drama, you're around the water cooler, that's an old expression. You're on email or on chat or on Snapchat or on those disappearing text websites that exist. You're all gossiping about your boss. You're all gossiping about your coworker. Look at that guy. Look at that person. Look at that eyewash doing that extra work, staying late, coming early. All of the drama, look at him, kiss the ass of his boss. Wait a minute, that guy got a $5,000 raise? I only got a $4,000 raise. All of that gossiping, all of that drama. Did you see him at the Christmas party? He was schnookered. Did you see him take a run at that person? It's happening everywhere. Every company, every business, every front office in sports has one thing in common with you. You want to be in that front office because you want to run a team because you think you can do it, and maybe you could. But the drama that exists in a front office in sports is the exact same drama that exists in your business. The backbiting, the competition, all of it. So this guy Volgaris comes out and says, you know, I wanted to be a part of something. I wanted to win basketball games. You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna end here by saying this to you here's a word of advice when you're done with your current job if you want to work again in that industry you may want to zip it and just move along to the next job because when I'm going to hire a GM or an assistant GM I don't want someone who airs public laundry ever I'm looking for discretion I'm looking for people who don't get sucked in by the high school drama, who can rise above it and help me win games. Vulgaris violated the number one principle of this show, and he said it himself. It's just business. He said it became personal.